Hello, everybody. We are back. Welcome to the new season of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Jason Anderson. We are going to be talking Challenge Cup semi-finalists. So just a little bit of a breakdown of sort of what we're planning for the new season of the show. We're going to focus on newsworthy things, I think. It, we did a lot of very expansive, touching on a lot of different things last year. I think the goal this year is to go a little bit more in-depth on the things that we find most interesting week by week, probably mostly NWSL focused, but who knows? Um, But since we have been off for the entirety of the challenge cup group stage, instead of trying to talk about all of that, because that would be impossible. We're going to just talk about the best of the best here. We're going to talk about the teams that rose to the top and we will be playing in the challenge cup semifinal. And that includes OL rain, Kansas city current, North Carolina Courage, and the Washington Spirit. And that came down to the wire last night. We're recording on Monday. Late night, we all said, maybe Angel City is going to throw an assist to the Spirit. We'll see. And they did. They upset the Portland Thorns. Portland did not get that fourth spot. That went to Washington. So we're just going to talk teams. We're going to get into how they've done, what the expectations were for them. Grades, maybe a little bit on a curve. But but yeah, we're going to talk through it. So how's it going, Jason? Uh, it's going all right. It's been busy, uh, due to <laughs> yes. the spirit getting through added, uh, some chaos that I'm sure we'll touch on with the venue situation yes. in many places. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that that's, uh, I'm, I'm a little loopy, but otherwise good. <laughs> that's good to hear. I know you were updating kudos to Jason. He was updating venue information as late as like what? One thirty Eastern this morning. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I hit, hit published just before 2 AM. Yeah. Uh, after digging around for a while on, Where's this game going to get played? Yes. Um, and, and why? And why? Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. Not public information. So <laughs> thank you for doing doing the people's work. So we're going to start top seed. We're going to go down to seed number four, uh, starting with number one seed out of the Challenge Cup, O.L. Rain. They clinched the number one seed with a draw against San Diego this weekend. Um, they started the Challenge Cup group stage with the draw. They ended the Challenge Cup group stage with a draw. All wins in between. So they are three, zero, and two expected, right, Jason? Yeah, I think this was the easiest group uh, to predict. Um, I, you know, no disrespect to Portland, but with the two expansion teams there, um, and, you know, the Rain have such a strong roster that it was kind of one of those, they don't have to make any adjustments. Portland is adjusting to a new coach, they've lost some players. Um, there's turmoil off the field there, whereas uh, OL Rain are just sort of like, Let's just keep chugging along. They did lose some good players, but not so. I mean, they've also got such depth that they were able to sort of ride that out without really. It, it felt like a no fuss situation, but it also felt like they weren't super tested by this group either. Right. It did seem like, you know, we were we were talking with some some rain beat reporters today about their goal scoring. It was very widespread. They had 10 different goal scorers in the group stage, um, many of which were not the main mainline stars or even the people who were scoring a lot of goals last year, right? Like last year you were thinking Eugenie Le Sommer, you were thinking Marjan, you were thinking Rapino. Megan Rapino has not played in the challenge cup. Um, sounds like she is preparing just for regular season. They've set that goal for her. Uh, they have 10 different goal scorers and some of them center backs, number sixes, you know, it, it was really widespread. And I think we weren't sure if the challenge cup, 
was going to be a depth situation or who's got the best starting 11 right now. Mm-hmm. And it seems like with OL Rain, it's like a little bit of both, right? Where they have some of their stars, they've knock on wood, made it through without too much injury, but it just showcases players that maybe didn't even get a ton of time last year, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you think of someone like Ali Watt, um, mm-hmm. who have, has had so many injuries, is finally starting to show all the reason that people were excited uh, when she came into the league. Um, so you, you see something like that, but you also see them mix in, um, you know, Nikki Stanton comes in and gets a goal, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, is not for her a regular occurrence, right. um, which is, which is a pretty, I mean, one, it's, it's just fun to see players like that, get their, get their moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it is kind of, it's an interesting way for it to turn out because when you look at the, you look at the lineups they've been putting out, you say, okay, this is a team where Bethany Balser is going to be in the golden boot contention. Right. Um, Rose Lavelle is probably going to mix in four or five goals in the regular season and be in the running to be top assists. Uh, um, You know, Jess Fishlock is going to have a balance of goals and assists that are both going to be pretty high. Um, You're not necessarily expecting to see such a, you know, it almost feels like if you're a a rain player who didn't score, it's like, what do I have to do to get on the list here? Right. Um, So it's, it's, it's been fascinating, um, but they, they've had to be resourceful in a way that I maybe didn't expect them to have to be Mm -hmm. um, because I kind of thought they were going to cruise through this group to a certain extent. And there were some games in there where they didn't really cruise. They, Mm -hmm. they only beat angel city with a a very fortunate last second goal. Um, Their games against San Diego were closer than, you know, I would, I was expecting and also maybe closer than they, they, well, they had the tie against them to close up, but that three uh, one at Lumen Field wasn't a blowout by right. any stretch of um, in terms of just how it felt watching it. So um, I, I do kind of wonder where their ceiling is because we haven't seen them have to even sort of get out of third gear so far, um, yeah. which has been kind of fascinating um, that they won the group. They're the top seed. And yet also I'm like, I, I don't know exactly how good they actually are right now. Yeah, I mean, I think. I think it's a good point. I think their midfield isn't necessarily 100% set, right? I think their front line isn't necessarily 100% set. Um, but it does seem like their defense and mm-hmm. the way that that defense is combining with Fallon Tellis Joyce, who is their new starting goalkeeper, mm-hmm. that project is done almost. You know, they have a lot yeah. cook. They've got Sam Hyatt, Laurent, Lou Barnes. Like that is a group that is secure. And I think that's maybe the largest uh holdover from last year is they got time with that group, different goalkeeper, but got time with that group um, to, to develop and, and feel really rock solid. They had the highest goal differential in the, in the challenge cup. So it's not just that they're scoring, but it does seem like defensively where we maybe saw some slight miscommunications last year, at least in this group, right? It's all, it's all a caveat. These teams are not playing everybody in the league. We're going to get right. more of that this week, but it does seem like the teams that were not giving up those easy goals did the best in the challenge cup. Um, and so would you say, I mean, that's, that's the starting two, right. Is cook, cook and Hyatt. That's a really mm-hmm. you know strong triangle with, with Tullis Joyce. And then Huerta, it seems like has really gotten comfortable with this sort of uh, wing back. She pushes forward. She comes, she trails back. Uh, I think that her development as an outside back has been huge for them as well. Yeah, it, this started last year. Um, one of the changes Laura Harvey brought in was um, getting them away from Fareed Benstidi's incredibly narrow uh, way of playing that right. really was congested. It was acting against their best interests. 
And by moving uh, where to back to right back saying like, we're going to take the risk of having a hyper attacking right back Mm -hmm. to stretch things out. This is going to be how we're no longer so congested in the middle. And it made such a big difference. And this year they're just, they're building on that principle. Um, And now she doesn't have to stay wide all the time Mm -hmm. Um, where she scored her goal from is her coming inside. Um, I think it's after a set piece, but Mm -hmm. there have also been plenty of moments where in, in open play, she is moving inside. Um, Part of that is the trust that she has behind her and those center backs being able to organize and, and the help that uh, Quinn provides in delaying, you know, Mm -hmm. if they get countered, um, that first line of defense is usually Quinn and Fishlock trying to just stall for time. And that they're better at that now. So Huerta can now take that risk of saying, not only am I going to get high up the field, but I'm going to drift inside and sort of combine into the middle with maybe with Lavelle from five yards away, rather than having to play like a 25 yard one, two, um, it's a little more difficult. So um, adding that, that, that element, diversifying it this year um, has been really, it's been big for Huerta. And I think it's been, you know, a pretty big factor for uh, OL Reign's success, even though it hasn't been like, you're not seeing a ton of goals and assists out of that specifically, but it is, I think, opening teams up in a way that is leading to their success. Agreed. Um, final OL Reign specific question, which is we did not get a goal from Jess Fishlock in the group stage, though she's she's been her, her usual self generating play, um, being sort of a, a disruptive and, and attack generating presence in the midfield. She won MVP last year, and I don't – when you win MVP – it's because you are asked to do something extraordinary, probably mm-hmm. like you are being asked to stretch yourself in a way so that it really pops so that people see it even through a broadcast or a stream. Right. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like maybe she's not going to have to work quite so hard this year? Certainly from like the early stages of last year, you have to remember at the beginning of last year, this was still Fareed Benzidi's team. Yeah. And she had to do a lot to keep the rain in the game when their formation was not working as well. I think she's not going to have to work as hard for as much of the season. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I also, I feel like there was an element of that MVP. I mean, MVPs will always say, well, this is a team award. And right. I think this was an example where it was a little, that was a stronger thing than normal. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah there was right. a certain amount of let's acknowledge how good uh, oil rain have been. And we have to sort of acknowledge who, who's their all around key player this mm-hmm. year. Um I don't think she's going to have to be at that level this season, especially if, if Quinn is available, Um, you still see them getting subbed off uh, in a lot of games, 60 to 75, but last year it was like 60 every time. Right. And in this challenge cup, it's been a little more 75. So um, hopefully uh, they're in games for the full 90 more often because the rain are always a better team uh, when Quinn is out there. Um, That's a huge help. Rose Lavelle seems healthier than she's ever been. Yep. Um, obviously a huge help uh, to have her fully healthy and available and, and um, with the national team, you know, running into people and sending them flying, uh, which is never not a little funny given her build. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, the depth, uh, it, you know, Bethany Balser is playing like Bethany Balser. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they added Veronica Latsko. So they've got someone who's very hardworking out on the mm-hmm. wing, maybe not going to get a lot of hype, but, someone who can maybe help take a little of the hard running off. Right. Of she has a, she has a really table. important job within the system and she's going to open yeah. things up for her teammates. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I, I think it will be an easier workload for Fishlock, especially mm-hmm. because you also still have um, some of this depth that's coming through, um, you know, someone like Nikki Stanton can come in 
yep. um, and fill in that time and maybe not bring as much of the attacking side, but certainly if you're leading and it's a midweek game, for example, you don't have to run a fish lock for 90. Right. Um, if you're, if you're protecting a lead, you can say, okay, we don't need the goal threat anymore. We can just bring in Stanton or uh, Olivia Vanderyat and, and have them put in that defensive running uh, without necessarily needing the goal threat anymore. So they've got w- ways to navigate this. If Laura Harvey wants to make that sub, which sometimes in the past, she has not been the most aggressive uh, substituter. Right. Um, so this might be th- something where maybe she's balancing it because, you know, Fishlock is in her thirties. You do have to look at, yeah. is this player just going to get used up for this season and have nothing left to give come, you know, week 20. Right. And that's a major problem for the rain because they expect to be right there contending for things from week 20 until the end of the year. Yeah. 1000%. I think when we talk about a, a player, an MVP, not having to give an MVP level performance, we're saying that in a positive way that that, that is you, you don't want, I think you're always going to have some hard carrying because teams do have highs and lows and you're going to have the certain players who are always consistent and Fishlock is one of those players, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, the better the system works and the more everybody is kind of hitting and doing their job, the less she's going to have to do, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So now just kind of talking about the West briefly, I do think we need to do this, even though I'm breaking my own rule about only talking about the semifinalists, but um, it does seem like at this moment, the hierarchy of the West it's tipped towards Seattle, right? This, mm-hmm. this used to kind of be Portland's area in recent years, maybe say like 2017 on it's been really Portland centric. Um, the rain feel pretty comfortable having Portland come to Lumen. The rain feel pretty comfortable going to Providence park. Uh, I I'm interested in your thoughts, Jason, we don't have to overthink it. Cause I don't mm. think you can make any grand statements, but does it feel like the tide is shifting a little bit? Uh, at least for this year, um, yeah. with the players that, you know, the Thorns lose Lindsay Horan, Crystal Dunn is pregnant. Um, these are some of the best players in the entire world right. um, that are suddenly not, you can't put them on the field. Um, though Crystal Dunn, it seems to be around a lot, which I'm sure is helping the vibe, if nothing else. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, you know, those are losses that I don't think any team in the, the league could stomach without falling a couple of places in the the grand scheme of things. And I mm-hmm. think that's as much as anything, I think that's what's happened. Um, Wilkinson is betting in some different, uh, certainly a different style, a different mindset than Mark Parsons had. Um, And that, that will take some time, especially with the Portland has mentioned wanting to be unscoutable Mm -hmm. uh, and, and be able to play many different formations, which Mark Parsons had them playing the diamond pretty much every single game for like two years in a row. Um, so that's an adjustment and they're in that adjustment period. They're going to be fine. They're quite good. They're going to make the playoffs, I think. Um, but I do think they are a tier below OL rain right now. Sorry, Portland fans, but that's, that's the reality. Well, that's something to work towards, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, the year is long. The year is long. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right, great. So let's move over to the number two seed in the challenge cup playoffs. A kind of a surprise Perhaps I'm actually going to say not a surprise. I think that mm-hmm. a number of, of NWSL experts kind of called this Kansas City Current. They yeah. won four games in the Challenge Cup. They do have one loss and one draw. They won the Central Division. Um, I think maybe if there is one note of surprise for me, it's that they did this pretty much without Lynn Williams and without Sam Lewis. I think if there's any sort of a wow, this team, it's not just the off-season signings that have made them better, they as a group have 
progress mm. even past. And we, you know, I think maybe the caveat should be they were playing pretty well by the end of the season last year. They had that unbeaten streak at home. Um, they had a number of games where they would be winning every single stat line and somehow lose two or three, nothing. And you'd be like, if you can just cut down on mistakes, this is going to be something special. And we've seen that same group take that step forward. Now, to be fair, central division is probably not the strongest. That's okay. But, um, the thing I liked, and, and I, I watched this closely because their last game was against Chicago, right? And that was a win and you're in for Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was a draw or, or win if you're in your end, if you're Kansas City. Kansas City won that game by working their system out. And mm-hmm. I think that if there's one thing to be really excited about with Kansas City, it's that I feel like they have a philosophy. They have an ethos. They have what they want to do is they want to be a pretty classic high intensity press. They mm-hmm. want to defend on every line. They want to disrupt. They want to force turnovers. They want to score on the counter. And they've done that successfully against a number of teams. So for you, Jason, would you say also just like a surprise perhaps in how it's come together, but not necessarily that they're the strongest group in this, in this division? Yeah, I think that's in line with what I, I, I predicted on on my podcast uh, on Plexweather that they would win the Central. But I also was like, I feel like I'm going out on a limb here. I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but I'm yeah. going to say Casey. It was hard to tell. It was hard to tell. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I will say, like you said, there's an ethos. Um, they know who they are, um, which is, you know, credit to uh, Potter and, and mm-hmm. the coaching staff for coming in and very quickly saying, one, this is our identity, and two, we've seen plenty of teams come in and say what their identity is, but not actually be able to act on it. Yeah. And Kansas City is very clear about who they are. Yeah. Um, they they are not the most talented roster in the league, especially with Lynn Williams and Sam Mewis unavailable. I mm-hmm. will to knock myself that prediction I made was based on their being them being available. Them being available, um, yeah. Right. It's kind of a major deal that they aren't. Um, but the fact that they've got this this system underpinning everything, yeah. it means they're more able to deal with those individual losses. Um, unlike Portland, who are still figuring that out and right. and slowly getting there, um, which is normal. That you know, Kansas City is an, is doing something kind of exceptional in in adapting this quickly. Um, they did have that one game that went all wrong, the the home home game against Louisville that they lost three nothing. Yes. Um, but they recovered from it, which is also right. impressive because after last year, you could be you could kind of forgive a lot of their players for being like, oh, maybe maybe these first couple of games were, were the fluke right. and this is the reality and we're back in it again. Um, and they just brushed it off and carried on. Um, I I love what I'm seeing from their front line um, with Elise Bennett coming in yep. um, uh, and, and Kristen Hamilton, who's I think what you were saying earlier about how they played last year and how they were actually better than it looked. Yeah. Um, I think Kristen Hamilton was pushing for like player of the month, a couple of months at the end there. Yeah. Um, that trade, the trade that brought Mason Hamilton in, um, mm-hmm. I think was the beginning of the true sort of roster revolution, even just in the philosophies of the players who were already there. I think that was an infusion. It's not only that, and, and Mace hasn't been available for, for the whole challenge cup, but she has in, in spurts, but it's not just that they are good players. It's the type of players that they are. They're, they're speedy. They're, they're, they're these great quick counter players. Right. And they are used to that. They were used to that coming from North Carolina. And I think also you have those players come in and it does, it just kind of is like, okay, these players are coming in from this team. That's had a lot of success. They want to bring that energy to this group. We're going to work together to, to maintain that. Well, also I, I kind of, I like the um, Kansas city, 
has they've made some really strategic investments in their original roster as well. They put a lot of support behind Kristen Edmonds. They put mm-hmm. a lot of support behind Lo Labonta. Like they know who their locker room leaders are and mm-hmm. have trusted them to be able to adjust as they try to improve. And I think that that is working for them. And you like it when those kinds of bets on the character of a player work in that fashion. So I'm happy to see that as well. Um, so maybe this is not to get into it too much. Cause I think Kansas city has done, done a very good job, but ceiling for Kansas city, when mm-hmm. we start talking about expanding this out, cause they are going to, you know, regular season starting soon, they're going to be playing North Carolina in their semifinal. Um, is it better or worse to kind of have this incubator of a less strong division? Do you think before hitting some of these harder hitting teams, or do you think that maybe, we might have some ups and downs similar to that Louisville game. I, I mean, I think for them coming off of 2021, this is very good for building um, a better culture, um, having that sort of proof that what the ideas are that are here can win in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, the central might be the weakest of three divisions, arguably though. I don't know. The West might have an argument because of the expansion, because of the teams, expansion but, teams. Yeah. Right. Um, but but you know it's still another NWSL team. Right. Um, you can't you can't get around that fact that they did go and beat these teams. They they've you know they did the thing. So yeah. they have this this positive uh, thing going on. I do think they are going from the shallow end to the deep end in this semifinal because yeah. the courage have been very impressive. Yes. Uh, and I think if you move the courage over to the central, they might've won six straight games. Right. Um, right. No, that's not disrespect to those teams that just the courage have been that good. Yes. Exactly. Um, so, so Kansas city is definitely about to experience a step up in challenge short term. And then as the league season plays out, I think they will have some ups and downs because of their ceiling, uh, which I think is a little limited um, without, Williams especially and without right. Again, it's, especially, it's, but it's not it's not on the construction of the team. They've just had some, some yes. poor luck. This is, yeah. Yeah. This right. is the same thing that, you know, Angel City uh comes in with a plan and then loses two center backs a right. week before the turn two starting center backs like days before they're supposed to play their first ever game. Right. What do you do? Um and it's not Kansas City's fault that that's the situation, but I do like that they've adjusted to it by trying some players in different roles without mm-hmm massive rotation it's just small things you know um loera playing defensive midfield we saw mm-hmm. the great goal but yep. you know i think her career in college was more center back um right. and her moving up a little bit um has been interesting and it has worked out um they've tried they've played out of a couple different formations i think they've played back three back four um variety of of approaches in there to sort of let's see who can play what role and how well they can play it um and they've established a little bit of depth and gotten some seasoning for some of these players who haven't seen a lot of time in yeah. the league. So I, I think they've set themselves up where maybe the ceiling is limited, but I also think they've brought the floor up pretty high. You're you're not going to see Kansas City. I mean, they had a dud against Louisville, but I don't think there's going to be a bunch of those. They might have games where they lose, but it's not going to be because they just flat out had a, a nightmare game and, and got uh, destroyed as a result. It's going to be because someone outplayed them and had to really work for it. Yeah, agreed. I think that, you know, if there is a team that Kansas City reminds me the most of, it is probably that 2021 Chicago team, which is that the way that you, in NWSL play specifically, 
there are specific tactics that can give you a shot every single game day. And Kansas city is following that. And it's not only that they're following it. It's that when the roster, when the starting 11 is really mentally engaged, they're successfully executing it. And mm. so maybe you get that three nil game against, against Louisville because the brains just weren't there on that day for whatever reason. But when they have sort of that clarity of purpose and they're able to, to stay locked in for 90 minutes. Um, they're able to pull it off. I would say the other thing that I like about Kansas city in kind of a step past what I was saying about being kind of like 2021 Chicago is they're winning multi-goal games, mm-hmm. which is also really, really helpful when you have this particular style because they're not getting locked into like white knuckle one nil sort of hold right. on. They sometimes they concede and, and they overcome it. And so I think that that, is probably also a healthier way to move forward than than getting stuck just kind of hoping that the other team doesn't score on right. you. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's an attritional style of play but they're not getting stuck in a bunch of attritional games where yes. one mistake is going to to do it. Um, exactly. And they can now see that if they make that mistake that they are not sunk. Uh, yes. which last year they kind of were. Um yeah. they would play really really well make one mistake and lose the game. Yeah. Um, and now they suddenly, uh, they have that ability to get out of trouble, which is, is nice to see a team growing um, because that, that organization is growing so much off the field mm-hmm. um, that it's important that the soccer side keeps pace. And it seems like that's what's going on. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to enter this part of the conversation in our a block here, just because it seems like the best place to put it, because we're talking about the number one and the number two seeds. Congratulations to both of them. Good work. Kansas City will be hosting a game on May 4th at uh, Children's Mercy Park. That game's going to be great. Uh, the rain. Get the, uh, the dubious honor of being yet another NWSL team to host a game in another team's city. Now, it's kind of funny because this has happened to the Spirit before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had to host a game in Houston once last year. Um now the rain have to host a game at the facility that caused Washington to have to host a game in Houston. So this is a mess taking actually the spirit hat off for a second. Mm-hmm. How upset should the rain be about this? Very right. Yeah. Uh, especially because their, their crime was having being in the same city as another team that That's happened good. to go. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, the Sounders yeah. went very far in the Champions League yeah. um, and thus had to book or they booked uh, the this Lumen Field for May 4th. Um, unfortunately, the Seattle region, despite being a densely populated and heavily uh, wealthy area, turns out doesn't have a lot of places to play soccer, which yeah. which has been a rain problem since day one. Right. Um, playing at Memorial, where, um, where, you know, anyone that's covered a game there will tell you about the various dangers of Memorial Stadium. Right. Um, that venue was correctly declared not good enough for the league standards. They moved to Cheney, but now Cheney is not a stadium you can use, according to the CBA, because right. of the substantial adjustments you have to make to turn it into a soccer facility. Um which all of those things are fair, but it right. does leave the rain with if Lumen Field's unavailable, what are we going to do? Um, we don't want to go to Portland. Everyone gets enraged uh, if we have to go play in Portland. It's also, unfortunately, maybe the closest place for them to play uh, yeah. a lot of these games right. as a backup plan. Also, it just it's silly that we're talking about like it's mind bending to me to have to keep talking about secondary venues in this league. Right. Um, but 
unfortunately that is probably the reality in a lot of uh, for a lot of teams for the next few years. Um, but yeah, th- this is no good. Um, they have to come cross country, uh, pay to, to stay out here for days on end. Right. Um, they're going to get to play a road game against what sounds like will be a more crowded Audi field yeah. uh, on May 1st. Which is and also, that's, that's competitively fascinating too. What do you do? <laughs> what do you do yes. with that game? Um, yeah. You start I, your best 11. What do you do? <laughs> you know, I, I really, um, yeah. you know, one thing I can say about Segra is that whether this is Loudon United or the spirit playing there, one thing I've heard consistently is that normally when players play on a turf surface, the idea is like the next day is going to be 100% rest regeneration, very, very light mm-hmm. um, on any, for any turf surface. And for Segra, it seems like that's like 25% more. Right. So if you play hard on your body, half an hour, yeah. you'd probably have to take the extremely light as if you played an hour plus. And if right. you played with a knock, it's probably two full days of, not training, which it's, it's, it's like how the final. Yeah. To like put it is, in normie perspectives, right. It's, it's like, if you go for a jog on like a jagged sidewalk the next day, you're really going to feel that as opposed yes. to if you go on a jog on like a path of some kind, right. it's just harder on the body. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a very, it plays strangely. Um, the people with the spirit have told me that they've never encountered a turf surface that plays like this one which is strange because mm-hmm. it's not like they went and bought like the one and only version of this uh, this surface i don't right. i don't know what's happening out there um maybe maybe they built it in a spot that has some sort of curse placed upon it that uh that no one knows about but right. um yeah it's it's a it's not good for the rain um it's they have every right to be upset with the league yeah. um i will say that Part of the reason this game can't be played at Audi Field was something that was booked. I, I'm I've been told it was booked in December 2021, right? Which means it's not like Audi Field was taken off the menu late in the process. It was well known, well in yes. advance. It's this is a, a problem that comes down to the league created a tournament that walked right into all these scheduling problems and, and is hard. now. Yeah, and I'll maybe this will this will be my incendiary comment to end this segment of the show. It's hard to shake the feeling that you just kind of thought that maybe the league thought that Portland would be available and playing in one of these games. They, I think that they were one of the teams that were prepared to host regardless. Mm -hmm. And I think the league said, that's a good bet. Right. And then angel city walked in and said, absolutely not. So it it felt a little bit like a bluff called, I think. Um, And, and now we're, we're all going through it. So that has been uh, the first half of the show. We will get to North Carolina and Washington in just a second in part two. All right, welcome to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I am your host, Claire Watkins, joined by Jason Anderson. Please rate and review this pod. Say something nice. Give us five stars. It helps people find us, and it is greatly appreciated. So let's keep it rolling. We've got two more teams to talk about. Um, And we did talk about in the A block a little bit, you know, like this could have been Portland. It could have been up in Portland. Probably five teams that could have deserved to advance. Um, but I think we got a good slate here. So let's actually, let's talk North Carolina first. They're the, uh, they're the third seed. They did win the East. Uh, they also did not lose a game. They won three games and they tied three games. Um, no one thought North Carolina was going to be bad, but 
that game that they played against Washington last weekend Mm -hmm. was just so pure North Carolina as if they've always, you know, as they've always been in a way where Mm -hmm. you're like, wow, this club identity really transcends a lot of different things, right? Mm -hmm. Like this, this club identity transcends major pieces of the roster that have changed, obviously a head coaching change, like who these players are and the way that they play is just such a big part of the club's DNA. And they, they tapped into that really quickly. And that felt a little bit surprising, right? Yeah. I I feel like, you know, that when you look at their first game, I remember the lineup comes out and people, it was unclear who was going to be playing up front because right, of they the, played a lot of the, outside backs, the yeah. number of players that were, yeah, it's just, yeah. okay. I see Taylor Smith. I, I see Kiki Pickett. Mm-hmm. Um, I see Jalene Daniels. I don't see forwards. I, right. I don't understand what this is going to look like. Um, and then it turns out it's the same old box four, four, two that we've become very familiar with, with there's a, a small modification. Those forwards are wider than I think uh, Lynn Williams and Jess McDaniel Daniels used to set up defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. It's that's really all the, the major adjustment is that. And yep. they're, they're letting Dabinia come forward and join the front line yes. a little more often. That's about it. They're tweaks though. Um, it's just the clarity of exactly what everyone's supposed to be doing at all times is so strong and the, the willingness to play the, because the, the way the courage play is difficult. It's yeah. very demanding. It's a yeah. lot of sprinting. It's exhausting um, to even watch, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. And, and the willingness to, to, to the new players coming in and the players that have been there for a while to keep it going um, has been really impressive. Uh, you can see why, uh, you know, Angel City was impressed with Sean Nahas uh, mm-hmm. enough that they offered him that job that he eventually declined. Yeah. Um, these are the kind of things that it makes sense as to why, because this is not a team that has a bunch of attacking superstars and it really is like Kansas city. The system is carrying them forward. Um, And, and they looked great in, in the East. They really did. Um, There was only one half of all of their six games in which I think they were comprehensively outplayed. It was that second half uh, against the spirit at Audi field. Right. The rest yeah. of their games were, were that they, they, it was either they were the better team or the game was even. Um, yeah. And that's really a tribute to um, when you think of the, the players that have been there forever, uh, you know, Denise O'Sullivan, Abby Urseg, uh, Mary Mathias, um, those, and they did this without uh, Casey Murphy. For yeah, most I was going to say that, and that's significant, especially when you think about them getting the tie against mm-hmm. Washington this past weekend. You know, they it's not disrespectful to say I'm sure they'd agree there. There were more errors in the back than they like. They would like to clean that up, I'm sure. Um, And but but it's amazing that you look at the team's strengths and their weaknesses. You see clear fixes for. Right. So like Mm -hmm. miscommunication in the back that gets fixed when Casey Murphy comes back. Um, But their strengths have been enough to overcome those weaknesses um, consistently. And you know where that backup is coming in. So you look at North Carolina and you think, wow, so they've got, they've, it looks like they've figured the midfield out. That was a big question mark last year. Uh, It looks like their front line is working together again in this way where they are creating sustained pressure. It's that same old courage attack of just waves and waves and waves of transition. Um, You have Dabinia to me. I think that you watched Dabinia last year, especially at the tail end of the season and Again, you kind of like similar to Fishlock, maybe at the beginning of last season, you think, oh, this player is trying to do so much mm-hmm. and cover so much space and create so many things themselves. And she looks so much less alone. 
I think Pinto has been very good for them. Obviously, we saw um, Caroline do very, very well in their last game against the Spirit. And then they have they have more people coming in. So they are just going to keep adding pieces, which I think mm-hmm. we knew they would. But the fact that this foundation is so strong is is really impressive. Um, do you think it maybe this is where I don't know, because you don't want to make stuff up, but you just have to be impressed with the mentality. Right. And obviously you mentioned Sean Nahas. I think that a lot of that stuff comes from the top. But yeah, Denise O'Sullivan, Dabinia, Abby Ursag, that core has to have just been immense helping this team through the last eight months. Right. Yeah. Um, it's culture is real. Um, and, and this is kind of a, a manifestation of that, that they've, um, kept it going without even having to really make a real super big adjustment in terms of what they do on the field from day to day. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really an incredibly impressive thing because the the things that happened with the courage last year could have taken years for them to sort of rediscover good right. soccer form. And you couldn't have really held it against them. It would be like, yeah, I, I get why you're having problems. Um, and instead they're forging ahead as if nothing has occurred. Uh, they look almost, um, they look a little unburdened uh, as compared to last year, which of course they would. Um, and they're now, adding new players and, you know, Malia Berkeley has come in and looked good um, since moving over from France. Uh, you mentioned Pinto Kiki Pickett has played an attacking midfield role and looked just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, no problems there at all. Taylor uh, Smith Tara- forward. I've also really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, for speaking of a player who looks unburdened after yeah. years of looking like she was playing with a thousand pounds on her back, mm-hmm. um, Taylor Smith has been uh, their most goal dangerous player. Mm-hmm. Um, she looks absolutely comfortable in this, this, I, I, I was about to say new role, but it's really a return to where she played in college. Right. Um, Caroline came in and looked excellent against yeah. the spirit one, two penalty kicks, yes. um, among other, you know, the ability to get isolated repeatedly for her was, was a really, um, I think an important change up for them to have available. Uh, if, if their front line right now, at least is going to be Smith and Daniels, there maybe the thing they lack is that ability to get isolated and beat someone on the dribble. They need sure. to be dribbling at speed to beat or someone. even or even someone to draw players in on yeah. the ball so that those other players can be available for for outlet passes. Um, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, I think that 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 duo between her, with her and and Dabinia is one to watch as well because I think you can see Dabinia is such a creative player that when she has someone, you can just kind of tell she's like, Ooh, good soccer ideas. And so she wants to, she wants to try stuff. And so that's really exciting to see as well. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Question this, you know, we'll, we'll have another episode before the semifinals, but I'm, I'm curious what you think North Carolina kind of versus Kansas city. These are two high transition teams, right? Mm -hmm. Do do you think they're going to try to, they're going to try to pin Kansas city back, right? Is that kind of what, you think that the best approach for them in Kansas city is just going to have to kind of hold on and, and take their chances. Is that kind of what you're anticipating? Yeah. I, I think North Carolina is going to approach this um, without any sort of fear and without really any major um, major modifications to the way they play. I think they're, they're going to say, we see Kansas city is also a high press transition team. Right. We think we're better at it than they right. are. Yeah. So we're just going to say, you guys want the same game we do. Let's play it. Um, right. I think th- I think this game is going to be extremely fun and pretty wild mm-hmm. um, b- 
because I do think that, you know, it could come down to simply who finishes better. I, I North Carolina should win the game. I think they are the better team uh, by a, a fair margin, but you know, Kristen Hamilton and Elise Bennett, like I said, that's, that's been such a fun duo to watch. Yeah. Um, and the fact is that, you know, Carolina did kind of leave some chances on the table in, in the East. Um, yeah. They did win the group, but they could have avoided some of these draws, including this last one. Um, right. They missed the penalty kick. Um, the Spirit also have their claims of, well, we should have won the game. We left some chances on the table. Um, it's kind of, you know, back and forth on that front. North Carolina, um, but, I would say that North Carolina, by, by my estimation in that game, they did let Washington back in it and they let Washington mm-hmm. back in it on the backs of a couple individuals. And I think that that's yes. the kind of thing where if you you talk about like Kristen Hamilton, Elise Bennett, those those playmakers for Kansas City, North Carolina does have these stretches where they do let for lack of a better term, some troublemakers make some trouble for them. Yes. And so that I think that's Kansas City's shot, in in my opinion. Um, it, it, when you play that transitional style, you are taking the risk that yes. the other team is going to have their moments. You're you're accepting that and saying, I think that we're going to create more moments than you and we're going to do better with the moments we get. Um, but you are going to you're, you're not going to be held to zero shots. You're not going to be smothered. It's going to be our goalkeeper is going to work. Um, if you're playing for the courage and you're in goal, you're going to be busy, even if the game goes well. So right, right. Um, I, you know, maybe this is about something like um 80 french coming back uh, mm-hmm. um after not playing this weekend um maybe she comes back in and makes such a huge difference that she can yeah. keep the uh, kansas city in this one right um yeah it's going to be a super fun game i do I think, think so it favors the courage but it's like three two or something like that yeah it's gonna very, be a good one possible. regardless yeah for sure yeah. um okay so moving on to our final semifinalist now the happy sad happy sad i'm really excited for this matchup between the rain and the spirit, I wish we weren't getting it twice in in five days, but <laughs> whatever, we're excited. So right. <laughs> the Washington spirit, um, they sneak in. They did not lose a game in the group stage, right? Did not lose a single game. Mm-hmm. Their unbeaten streak is alive. Um, they are a team that also was dealing with some absences, right? Andy Sullivan, I think did not play the last two games. Is that correct? Yes. Um, and, and then Kelly O'Hara came out early in this last game. They, they're they're dealing with they're yeah. they're managing Sam, some minutes. Yeah. yeah, Sam Staub, Dorian Bailey. That's right. They um, were both out. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- so they're dealing with that. But I think everyone is just so excited about the Washington Spirit. There's something about them, even when they're not having their best game. You're just like, oh, I like watching that team play. And mm-hmm. so I think that people are really happy that the Spirit made it. Um, despite not winning the division, which is maybe a little bit of a surprise, but again speaks to how well North Carolina has been playing. Jason, do you think that the spirit are a little bit, they're slow starters a little bit. Does that, yeah, is that both, what gets them? Yeah. Yeah. Both like, like micro and macro yeah. um, because they tend to start games fairly slowly. Yeah. Um, I, I tweeted out after, I think it was after game five that they had in the first 50 uh, something minutes of games, in the challenge cup this year, it was five goals for five goals against. And then from the 55th minute on, it was five goals for zero goals against. Yeah. Right. Um, they conceded early. It seems like, yeah, right. They, they are a little slow to come out. They conceded early against Gotham uh, in the last right. game, the three, one win. Yeah. They conceded early against the courage uh, in this last game as well. Um, this is just a team that, and the team, they know it. Um, Andy Sullivan back when, 
Um, I think when they played Gotham at Segra earlier in the Challenge Cup, she mentioned that, you know, we know that we tend to we tend to not really hit our best until something has happened to make us look, we have to get going. Yeah. Um, whether that is on they, they like or to off play the a field. soccer game against, they like to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and, who are we doing and, this against? Yeah. And this manifested last year. Right. Um, you know, they, before Richie Burke was fired, that was a team that was going to make the playoffs probably, right. you know, fifth or sixth, but it did not feel like they were close to what they should have been. It was once it became like us against this coach and us against the league, right. uh, because they they were not happy with how the COVID forfeits the were forfeits handled. were handled, um, right? And so I feel like they felt like there were nine hundred things against them, and that allowed them to take it. You know that the they had their enemy to fight, um, and it's kind of that same thing of now they it's almost like they need that scoreboard to read zero one. And then they're like, okay, let's get it going. Um, and then from there, you see this team that is, you know, every bit the contender that they should be. Um, so that they do understand that this is a a thing that they need to get better at to right. to be to bring that level when it's zero zero. Right, because um, you would think eventually the comeback will not be on. Right, right, it will so run you're out. You're going to encounter yeah. that game that right. the ball won't go in, or right. um, you know, I thought the Gotham game at Segra that was a game where. Uh, they trailed and then also went down to 10. Right. Um, and, but then 10 V 11 outplayed Gotham comprehensively. Right. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of the perfect summation of the spirit, like a bunch of stuff that's not good for like, they gave up the goal they gave up to Gotham was like Gotham's first attack turns into sure. a weird penalty kick. And then they get a red card and yeah, then that's, it's like, that's okay, very, now that's we very can do challenge it. cup though, too. That's very yes. challenge cup to have like your one little mistake. Of course it's a goal, right? Like that's, right. that's pretty, pretty early season stuff. Um, okay. So I actually, I'm hesitant to say that the spirit and the rain are the two best teams. Cause I think the courage are really in that mix. Um, mm. But you know, you, you look at people are pretty stoked on the rain. Um, people are, uh, people are excited about the spirit. That's going to be a good one the circumstances of the game itself are going to be limiting. And I think equally as we've all kind of established Segra is a challenge for both teams. It's not Mm. really a home field advantage. Um, The spirit knocked the rain out of the playoffs last year. So you have to think the rain kind of want to, they want to sew this one up, right? You think? Yeah. The the rain, I'm sure feel hard done by, by that game because they did end up, I think their expected goals were somewhere like 2.5 or something in that one. Right. The, they lose the game based on uh, Ashley Sanchez, like bending time and space in a way that no one else anticipated. Right. Um, And and they have, and and also like they were kind of all over the spirit and the spirit got that equalizer uh, early in the first half. And it was Mm -hmm. kind of out of nowhere. Right. Um, The way the game was going felt much more, much, much more like the rain were going to go up two mm-hmm. and kind of put the game to bed at that point. Um, so, yeah, I feel like they are probably stewing over it quite a bit justifiably. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that this version of the spirit seems a little better. And I will say also, I feel like the rain are slightly less good than they were at this time, at that time last That's year. That's fair. Right. Just sort of top line. That makes sense. So, right. um, all right, here's the philosophical question. Congratulations to all four teams. This is, this is going to be my last question. Last question of the podcast. Congratulations to everybody who made the Challenge Cup semifinals. Do you rest on regular season opening weekend or do you rest in the semifinal game? What would you do, Jason, if you were in charge? Uh, I mean, 
if I were in charge and I didn't know how much the prize money was or it was coming in or if it was lower, I would be like, listen, we, we have more important things to do, quite frankly. Yeah, right. Um, the only thing that changes this is that the winner There's of this thing gets line. 10 grand. Right. And for it's not so much for my women's national team players who just want to win every game they ever play. Yes. Um, I can talk them into accepting that this one uh, is, is going to have to be a secondary concern. Yeah. But I can't talk to a player who's making 35 grand and starting yeah. for me and say, right. we're not going to do our best to try and get you that $10,000. Well, especially because the regular season in the NWSL is relatively kind. So if you mm-hmm. have even some, we- if you drop, go from three points to one because you rested or something again, with the understanding that these are the teams that are playing at their best right now. Um, yeah. Maybe you say, okay, we're going to do our best to go all out for the semifinals. Um, I think there's also a big issue. And obviously this big damn country of ours, we don't know where the final is going to be played. Mm-hmm. And so theoretically, right. The, the rain would be able to host at Lumen field if they do win their semifinal. So they are traveling cross country to play Washington. They are staying in Washington four days later there. They would be traveling back to Seattle to host right. the challenge cup. Um, I, I guess I don't even know. I can't even get into secondary scenarios. We're just going with that one as an example, but that's right. hard. That's really yes. hard. Um, and, and the, in the regular season keeps going, right? Like even after that challenge cup, you do not get a second. You're on to match week three and yep. you're still trying to figure out how to reschedule match week two. So I think I, I am really curious, maybe if I give an, uh, a, a thing to watch for this weekend for everybody listening is watch what coaches decide to do with their rosters. These, these teams that are in these games, watch for who sits, who plays, who maybe suddenly picks up a little knock in, in training and they're out because, mm. you know, they're being cautious with something, but then maybe that player plays on Wednesday. You know, it's those little things. Um, it's a, it's an interesting puzzle to solve kind of a silly one, but yet here we are. Yes. That's NWSL folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Jason, for joining me. We're happy to be back. Thanks everybody for listening. I have been your host, Claire Watkins. Shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy and our distributor blue wire podcast. We'll be back with you next week. Thank you.